Man. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we are truly blessed with some wonderful musicians and singers and media team. Man, you guys, you guys help us just help us just put everything together so well. Make us sound good and blend good and all that good stuff and make sure that uh, we um, don't have stage rage when we don't know the words and all that good stuff. It's uh... <laughs> If you've ever been on stage and don't know the words, you know what that feels like and you hate to sing watermelon, watermelon, because <laughs> it just might be your part you're missing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Can you just turn to somebody right now and say it's good to see you this morning? I know this is a season uh, that we give gifts. We're um, all about going out and or doing your online shopping, however you do that these days, but... But, you know, in the season, how many ever received a gift that you'll probably never use? Mm-hmm, yep. I'm, I'm going to really get you. How many have ever re-gifted a gift? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was, um, we, we went to my parents. Their Christmas was um, Friday night. And before I left yesterday morning, my, my mom was going through the closet. Hey, look, did you, would, you, would you want this? I'm thinking, have you never used it? <laughs> I'm thinking, if you haven't used it, I probably won't use it. You just probably need to take that somewhere and donate it, you know, help somebody out. But we do. We, we tend to give gifts this season, and sometimes we speculate. You know, I've, I think we finally got to the place where, look, 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 put it in the Amazon cart. That way we know that you want it. <laughs> Um, somebody showed a pair of picture, uh, a picture of a pair of uh, socks and underwear with holes in it, and says, "Well, it's about that time." <laughs> We're, we know what those gifts are like, right? <laughs> uh, those are always useful, <laughs> but you know, we do. We we find ourselves giving gifts. It's kind of like you know, we we give gifts that are ideal, right? We just know what they want because we've been good listeners throughout the year and we've heard them say over and over how they wish they had that and so we identify that one thing and we buy it and I'm sure that we buy it many months in, in advance <laughs> not right and, and so we give them that surprise gift and it's like how did you know and and um we've been listening and it's a gift of the heart it's a gift of love um I'm not that good at that I'm not a very good um, listener, I guess. <laughs> but then there's times when we get gifts that, that they probably want to beat us over the head with. We get them a vacuum. <laughs> Just to let you know, that's probably not a good gift to give. Unless you're getting a robotic vacuum that, where they don't have to work anymore or that, and they just push the button, it goes for them. That might be a, that, that might be a good gift. Get them a set of pots and pans. Uh, I don't. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Gift giving. It's difficult, right? 
Amen. <laughs> At least I got somebody honest in this place. Amen. Amen. It is, it is difficult when we think about all of the ones we love, trying to make sure they get what we want them to have and what they will use, right? Well, we've been talking about the gifts of God and how the Lord has been blessed us with so many gifts, right? We've been given so many things. We can look through Ephesians and see the, the gift of adoption, the gift of redemption, the gift of all these gifts that he's given us. And, and even when we recognize that he's given us all these gifts, we also recognize that we are a gift to God. Now, you might think of that as weird or strange, but the scripture that I, I read earlier, I want to go back to John chapter 18 and verse uh, 5. It says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifest your name to the men whom you have given, whom you have gave me. Think about that. We've been given to God, right? I have manifest your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, now they have come to know that, that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you, have, which, you ha, which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. Thank you, Jesus, right? I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. I have been glorified in them. Wow. You <laughs> are a gift. That's powerful to think. And, and it really goes along with last week to understand that we've been given a choice we talked about how Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Elijah said on the Mount Carmel, he says, how long will you falter or waver between two decisions, right? We have a choice to make to live for Christ or not. It's, it's a choice we've been given, and, and thank God for choice. Choice says, Lord, I choose to love you. How many would want somebody just to love you because they're made to love you? How does that feel? But to know that we have been given a choice to love the Lord and that the Lord chooses to love us. Thank you, Lord, right? And because he knew our choice before the foundations of the world, we've been chosen by him. We are his in Christ Jesus. Thank God for being his. But understanding as a choice of God, as a chosen vessel, as someone in him, a gift to him because we are God's and we've been given to Christ Jesus. He says a prayer for us. And, and, and I read the scripture at the beginning of service. And it is that prayer that he prayed. I do not ask on behalf of these. Verse 20 of John chapter 18. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. But for those also who believe in me through their word. Say their word. Their word. Your word. He's praying for those, not only for you, but for those that will re be reached because of the words that you speak. Wow. 
because of the message that you bear, because of the fruit of your lips, because of a message of salvation that you have uh, been imparted into and, and now impart to others that you have received by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that same message begins to flow out of you because you are His. Come on, right? Y'all okay this morning? Amen. <laughs> that, they may, that they may all be one, say one, one, even as your Father are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world, say the world, the world may believe that you have sent me. The world's looking at something that is stable. The world is looking for something that is wholesome, something valuable, something that is transformative, something that they can hang on to that is truth, that is life-giving. I mean, everything in the world seems to uh, surround itself around chaos these days, but there's people who's looking for something stable. And the Lord is saying, Lord, Father, make them one as we are one. Make them as tight and a unit as we are. Make them inseparable. Make them so powerful and anointed because they have come together as one. Wow. That's his prayer for his gift. I mean, when somebody gives you a hammer, you pray, Lord, to help that to make something big for me. Right? No, you take a hold of that hammer and, and you use it to make something big. Because we, as a tool in the hands of God, we are his vessels to be used to create and expand the kingdom of God. We're not saved to do nothing because it is impossible for God to do nothing, right? And therefore, those who are in Christ Jesus, it is impossible for them to do nothing. He's called us to something, to do something, to be a part of something, right? The Word, the word of God tells us, James, faith without works is dead. So therefore, if we have faith to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him, we also understand that we've been called to a task and the world needs to know Jesus and we are the voice of God in a world who is lost. We have the, we have the message of hope. We have the message of life. We have a message of salvation. We have a message of transformation. We have a message that can, that can bring hope into their life to show them that there's a better way. As I said a few moments ago, I, I believe that the world has tried to murky the water. They've tried to bring about a message, even from pulpits across this nation, that life has to be beautiful, that life has to be great. If it's, if it's godly, it'll be great. If it's, if it's anointed life, it's going to be plush, and you're going to have everything you want, and everything's going to be beautiful. But that is not the message that was given to the disciples. It's not the message that was given to the early church. And, and, and because there's been this push of, of prosperity, there's a generation who looks at the church and says, if that is what prosperity looks like, that is not what I want. 
But prosperity is not what we look like in our billfold or in our bank account. It doesn't look like what we drive and what our houses look like. Prosperity is knowing that we have a life that is more abundant than everything else because we have a a peace on the inside. When everybody else is in chaos, when everybody else is struggling, we can stand like Stephen as he was stoned and look and see the open sky and see the Father looking down on us. We know that we have something greater than this world ever has. My home is not built on this world. If this is all we have, then my goodness, we are all hopeless. If we're building our kingdom right here on this earth and everything we gain is to, to, to bless ourselves and to pat ourselves on the back, then we have lost sight of the plan of God as we are the gift of God and God's called us to something greater. God help us, right? He prays. For us to be unified. This is what he says. Verse 23 of John chapter 18. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity. Wow. That they may be perfected in unity. So that the world may know that you have sent me. And love them even As you have loved me. That's powerful. He's praying this. That we be unified. That we as the body of Christ. Have one voice speaking forth to the world. We we can't send mixed messages. We, We can't. There's too many mixed messages coming from the quote-unquote church that has brought confusion into the world. They're wondering, is it okay to live this way or that way? They're wondering, is it okay to to do certain things? And, And we've made it all about the do's and don'ts. And really it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're walking in Jesus Christ and the words of God are inside of you because it it is his words that that sanctifies. We're sanctified through his word. And when we walk in the word of God and the word of God is coming forth out of us, we will be sharing the same message. It won't be a blended message. It won't be a a half-hearted message. For many years, the evangelical church has criticized the Catholic Church because they have blended traditions with the Word of God. And the traditions have become just as important as the Word of God and sometimes more important. We, we saw this uh, greatly on the mission field because the, the churches have gone in and, 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 and there's so many of those who have adapted their cultural religion with Christianity. Walking in the jungles and uh, uh, seeing the, the various traditions that they would do with their babies. Putting a little red uh, ribbon around, or a little brace, red bra- bracelet around their arms. And I asked, why do you put a red bracelet around their arms? They said, because it is for protection. And they, they were living out cultural traditions that had been passed down to them from other religions. I was at a funeral one time and I watched as as this couple uh, began to pass a baby over uh, the coffin of the one who had passed away. And I'm thinking, why are you doing this? 
And they say, we're warding off the evil spirits from our children. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't, wasn't you sitting on the pew at church Sunday? Don't you believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord? Do you not understand that we have salvation in Christ Jesus, but yet we, even we, have often mixed our culture with the, the word of God. Our Western culture wants us to be rich and happy and have an American dream, but the American dream is not salvation. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And it comes to the rich, it comes to the poor, it comes to the broke, it comes to everybody. Because he said, whosoever will come to the, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So in other words, salvation is for the Middle Easterner. Salvation is for the Latin American. Salvation is for the, the European, the Russian, the, 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 the Asians. Salvation is for all who believe. It's not just our pie in the sky, the dream of how we think salvation should come to us and how it should look for us. Y'all still love me, right? But as a gift of God, a gift to Christ Jesus. He prays that we are perfected in unity. He prays that we become one in him, just as him and the Father are one, that we will be one in him. But that means there's something that we have to do. That means there's something that we have to begin to understand that we in Christ Jesus are being perfected in unity and if we're constantly looking for dis disorganization, if we're constantly looking for things that would disunify or take away our goal of being put together, then that is not of God. It is of the enemy. Amen? So how do we come to this place of being the useful gift of God? How do we come to this place of being, being molded and mended and put together uh, according to his plan and according to his prayer of being perfected in unity? What brings me to Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12 verse 4 and 5 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Say they do not have the same function. Do not have the same function. We don't all have the same function. And thank God we don't all look alike. Because you can't all look as good as me. I think I have to go back where it, where it says um, to not be conceited. <laughs> It says, goes on in verse 5, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. We've been given gifts. It goes on and it talks about the gifts, but we've been given gifts in order to edify the body, in order to unify the body. Every, so therefore, if we are called by God, being given to Christ Jesus for his purpose of making us one, we are one body with multiple facets, with multiple gifts. Not everybody is a hand. If we, if we had a hand with no arm, it would just be sitting there flopping around with nothing, right? Not everybody's feet 
Not everybody is a voice. Not everybody sees it all. But we together as one body put our giftings together and we begin to walk as one body. Amen? We're only as powerful as we are surrendered. We're only as powerful as we are surrendered. Look, in the upper room, when they were together in one accord, it is the outflow of unity that brought the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we, we can't expect there to be a flow of the anointing of God when we are disunified. It is as we come together, as we pray together, as we seek the face of God together, as we understand the value of each other. The, the word says that they were individually a part of each other. In other words, we have to appreciate and value every individual in this room. Amen? With all of their uniquenesses and all of their differences and all of the different ways they might look at life. Now, we have to understand that they still have to line up with the Word of God. We're not saying that, you know, it bothers me because the world wants to call us haters. Look, we don't hate anyone. We love everyone. We want everyone to find truth. We care about everyone. Jesus, when he met the, the lady and they drug her out to him and caught her in the act of sin, he didn't, he didn't say, just kill her. He hated, he, I hate her. I can't believe she's that way. No, that's not what he said. No matter where he finds us, he still loves us, but he loves us so much that he wants to see us in the place in which he created us to be. He wants to see us in the fullness of what we were created and the full potential that we've been given in, in honor and glory to him and the Father, right? So when we see broken people, it's not that we hate anyone. We love everyone. But we want to see them in such a greater place because we know there's so much more that God has for them. There's so much more that, that, that they can be as the gift of God to a world who's broken because brokenness only breeds brokenness. It's like we can't get that. We've seen in our society the degradation of society going down and down and down. And we wonder, how can we fix it? Well, let me tell you, it's not throwing money at it. It's not another government program. It's not another, let's save the, this person or save that person type of government project that we put out there. It is only through Jesus Christ, the Lord of the glory. It is only, he's the only way. The Bible tells us he's the only way. We need to grab a hold of that. He is the only way. And if we are carrying forth the message as Jesus prayed for not only us but for those that we will give the message to that they would be one just as we are one in him that we have a message that can help them be a part of something greater something eternal something that that they can't imagine that's above their thought process is above all they can think of and see it's crazy because we have so long said well well what is the scientific hypothesis of all of this? How does it work? When we breach <laughs> the gates of heaven, we'll be known as we are known. 
We'll see it. We may not grasp it in our inability to understand the universe. We might not grasp it completely, but there's something we can grasp. And that is that I'd rather, if they call me hallucinating, I would rather be hallucinating about Jesus Christ than to find myself in hell burning for eternity. I'd rather know that I've got a hope that's beyond this world than to think that I have no hope at all. I'd rather know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and live for Him and know that that I have seen how He has transformed my life. I know who I used to be and I didn't change because I wanted to. I changed because something greater than me took place in my life and it cleansed me and sanctified me. And the same one that Jesus said, I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified. And because I have been sanctified and separated for the cause of Jesus Christ, I'm no longer who I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I've been bought with a price. I've been adopted into the family of God. I don't want I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I want to be in the hands of God. I want to be useful in the hands of God. I want to be a part of this plan. We see that that we're one body. And and we see in verse 6 it says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is... Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. I'm not going to go through all of these gifts because uh, we don't have that much time. But every one of you have been given a gift. Every one of us. There's gifts and offices. And every one of these gifts, when you look at Ephesians chapter 4, and it tells of the offices or the gifts that some call them, it says, for the edifying of the body so that we may all come to the unity to the unity we are to come together as one body we've been given these gifts not to build ourselves up I tell you what I I worry about those who have utilized the spiritual gifts for their own personal gain because we're not to use gifts for our own personal gain they're to be a part of the body of Christ, to build up and to edify the body of Christ, to bring us to a unity of the body. Amen? Amen. I gotta keep going. Gotta keep going. Gotta keep going. Keep going. Just to let you know, these are these these are my notes here, so and 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 there's just three, there's just three notepads. I mean, just just three. I mean, it can't be that bad. But what I find is for us to have this unity, for us to use these gifts, we first have to surrender ourselves. We have to go back to Romans chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service, your reasonable, right, act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For us to truly be unified, understanding that we are one body, we have to be submitted to the body. We have to be submitted to the head. He said, I beseech you. Right? To present your body. 
We have to present. How many understand that present and present are the same word? I tried to write both of them down. I'm like, hmm, that's the same word. So we are presenting the present to the Lord. And we understand that we come to him and we give our gift, we give ourselves to the Lord. You know, sometimes we, it says <laughs> to present yourself a living sacrifice. The, the understanding of this is, is a complete sacrifice. It's not, it's not just an offering that we, we, uh, we break up and we give a little bit to the priest and we give a little bit to somebody else and it's okay we, because we have, we've given something to God. No, what it's saying, it's not saying give a little bit or get a partial when it says present your body a living sacrifice what it is literally meaning is a burnt offering Paul is talking about an offering that you bring before it is a, 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 an offering that is to be consumed an offering that is to be set on the altar and the fire of God falls and takes away all of the old it takes away every bit of it the apostle Paul said I die daily right he understood it as a sacrifice that he made every single day that he brought to the altar of God, that he laid himself before the altar of God. He said, here I am, Lord. And he understood that it was God who was perfecting him, and the only way that we can allow God to perfect us is to make a choice to be the present as we present ourselves to God. Amen? And he goes on and says that we should not be conformed to this world. In other words, it's, it's, it's being pressed into the mold. It's being pressured into the cultural system. Don't be pressed into the cultural mold that's around you. How can we do that? By being transformed, by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? We focus on the one who can transform us. We focus on the truth of the word of God because he's the only way. He's the only way to the Father. We're transformed by our, by our relationship to him. And as we are in relationship with him by his mercy, I love this, by the mercy of God, right? Because without the mercy of God, then it, then it just becomes religion, right? I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, has he been merciful to you? I mean, if we go through the list of of the gifts that he's given us through the mercies of God. We've been justified by him. We have confidence that we are his. We have confidence that he will not leave us. We have, we have the gift of knowing that, that he has bought us with a price. We have the gift of understanding that by his mercies, he left the throne room of heaven so that he could die on the cross for every single one of us. We have all these mercies that we can rely on knowing that we can't do this by ourselves, but because the mercies of God, I can present my present before the altar of God and know that that all of the junk that I have that I can set it before him and be a burnt offering to him and know that he will make me what he wants me to be. Amen. My wife says that I have an automatic alarm that goes to 12 o'clock. But I'm going to prove her wrong today. So if somebody will come play the piano, I might close. I did give the word might. (laughs) 
We are a gift of God. And when we think of this being transformed and, and we think of this being the body of Christ, we think of using these gifts for the building up and the edifying of the body to bring unity in the body, we also understand that it goes on. It says in verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Our love can't be... If our love is only shown so that we can receive love, then our love is not given, it is bought. We don't love to get loved. Love because we were first loved. We love because it is a gift that's been given to us. And if it is overflowing in us, then it will be shared with others. Amen? Amen. I look at Ephesians Chapter 5, at the very end, when he's talking to the husband and the wife, he said, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. And I scratched my head and wondered, why did he say two different things? And I realized that he's telling the husband to give what he wants, no, what, he, what his wife needs. Because a, a husband wants respect, and a wife wants love. He's telling them to give the opposite of what you want because that's what's sacrificial. Your wife is the mushy, um, sappy, love-craving person, at least generally speaking. I'm being very general. I know that's, you know, can't be, oh boy. But men generally are ones who appreciate and value respect. And so, so the Lord tells them to give opposite of what they need because it's sacrificial. And the Lord's telling us to love, love without hypocrisy. Love in such a way that it is genuine and not in a, a way that you're looking to get something back. Love genuinely. It goes on and, and says, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. It's not just one or the other, it's both. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Look, this, this is not talking about your spouse here. This is talking about the body of Christ. If you want to be unified, if you want to be powerful as a part of the whole you've got to be devoted to coming together you've got to make time I don't have time we have time for whatever we want to do if we choose to do it we'll make time for it so be devoted be devoted to one another in brotherly love be devoted to getting to know one another. Be devoted to caring about one another. Be devoted to doing what we can to find out everybody's name. I'm still learning. We need to have another name tag day. That's okay. Thank God that the body is growing.
preference to one another in honor. What's that mean? It means recognizing that there's other people who have giftedness and honor them. Honor their giftedness. Value who they are. Value the people that are around you, understanding that they're a part of you. We're only as good as the ones we're connected with. Right? So therefore, if we're connected to people, let's make sure that we're also bringing the best out of them so that they're bringing the best out of us. Amen. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. The word practicing hospitality literally means it can also be used as to persecute. Now that sounds weird, doesn't it? But it's, it's an intense word. It's an intense word to pursue intently. So we have to pursue being hospitable to one another. I don't want to be just said, well, there's some friendly people in church. No, I want to be the friendliest church in town. That when whoever walks in the door, that there's not one person that walks in the door that doesn't have their hands shaken at least 20 times. I got shaking this morning and somebody started squeezing my hand. That's the shaking milkman's hand. <laughs> but you know, there's the law of seven touches. The law of seven touches basically says that when someone comes by you, whether it be a business, whether it be a church, there's the law of seven touches. They want to be touched at least seven times. They want to be spoken to at least seven times. And in doing so, we create an atmosphere that is welcoming. We, we also get out of our comfort zones and we begin to learn with the, the needs and who they are and what they go through and what they've been through. And therefore, we begin to care more because we know who they are. If we are to be perfected in unity, we then have to get to know the ones we're unified with. And, and, and the only way we can use the gifts of the Spirit within the context of the body of Christ is to be in the body of Christ. And the only way that we can be in the body of Christ is we got to show up. Thank God Jesus showed up. Thank God Jesus stepped in to our world to make it possible for us to be unified. We can have different political ideas. We can have different ways of how we were brought up and how we raise our children. We can have different mentalities of what work looks like because we might have different jobs. But there's one thing that we can be unified in and that is Jesus Christ. is the only way. He's the only truth and He's the only life. If we are unified in Him and know that He is the only one that can bring salvation then we can rally around something greater than who we are. Amen.
then all of us are ailing. If there's one part of us rejoicing, then we're all rejoicing. If there's one part of us growing, then we all need to be growing. We need every single one of you to be on the team. And God wants to you to be a part of His team. He's called you. He's given Himself to you. Will you give yourself to Him? Would you stay with me right now?
somebody say, hey, I don't remember your name. Would you? I want to know you.